The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, as you all very well should know by now, since we're almost at 400 damn episodes, Scott Alexander. And right across from me is the one, the only, the hairiest beast of them all, Tammy, the underwear-wearing Sasquatch Underwood. Hi, Tam. Hi. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm super duper pooper trooper. I figured you were. You know, especially with that display you gave me a little bit ago. Yeah, you know, it helps when you get your low levels. I know, because right I now. was doing something in the process. And Jesus Christ, now nobody's going to be able to hear you. Because I said, with what you did earlier to me, Nene. Yeah, yeah, talking to your fucking mic. That's I all am I'm talking into my mic, ass. Well, now you are. Fucking people, I swear you, to God. Why are you so mean to me? Because if I'm not, then Sasquatches attack. I saw it on TV when Sasquatch attacks. The Honey Island <laughs> Swamp Monster. You are definitely a swamp monster. <laughs> Sorry. No honey about you, but definitely a fucking swamp monster. Not the Honey Island Swamp Monster. So anyways, we're going to get into the last bit of William's, William Hirons' case. Because this, this is where I will show you everything... That they said was evidence against him, how it was like circumstantial at best. Like, how long is this episode going to be? I'm just kind of curious. This one shouldn't be very long. It's only a couple of sections. Oh, okay. Groovy. Yeah. No. I mean, I could have did it in the last one, but you were getting kind of hangry, so. I need food, man. Food and that, and my butt exploded in the bathroom. Well, thank you for letting (laughs) everybody know what I already have nightmares about. Y'all, I've been having some bowel problems over the last couple of days, and like this morning was no exception to that. Fuck, I don't know what the hell I ate or what's eating me. I'm probably dying. I've been having tummy issues, too. I've been having rumblies in my tumblies. Well, here's the thing. Like, seriously, like, when when I was out of town, the only thing that I ate that was a little bit out of the ordinary was I ordered a pizza from uh, Figaro's. Oh, yeah? Which, their pizza's okay. It's not the greatest, but, you know, it was quick and easy. And uh, that's the only thing that I ate out of the ordinary. Everything else, like... I've been trying to eat a little healthier and things like that. And then I go knock on your motel room the other the other day when you called me and yeah, when I was trying to get the the password yeah. to one of our accounts. Yeah, hold yeah. on a second. I'm like, this is taking forever. Well, <laughs> she wanted to smile at me and show me her boobs. So there you go. Mm, thank you. <laughs> but uh, what the hell's wrong with me, man? Because all of a sudden my body's like, you know what? I'm just going to torture you for a few days. Yeah. Well, you know. So, anyways, um, so after. After William was in police custody being, they say it was interrogated. I think it was more like got the snot whooped out of him. That's Nazi torture is yeah, what the hell that, that is. That was, that was borderline, yeah, against the Geneva Convention type mm-hmm. crap. Um, anyways, so now he's assigned three attorneys, right? Some of the best attorneys they're saying in Chicago area. One is civil law. The other two are cr- criminal law in Chicago. Is that better? Okay. I don't either because I'm in the same spot I was before. So they act, So they met with him on the seventh day to pre- represent him at his arraignment where he was officially charged with a laundry list of burglaries as well as the three murders. Bail was originally set at $270,000 and the two brothers saw that he was safely transported from headquarters to the county jail under the wardenship of Frank Sane. 
Now, after he signed in at this destination, he collapsed from fatigue at the desk and he was hospitalized for 10 days. Kind of like, oh, wait, the first guy that they questioned, remember? Yeah, I was going to say, I kind of see a pattern here. Yeah. Bricks. So, now, to say that he, you know, fell into a deep depression is like an understatement. I would have fallen into a deep depression, you know? He just knew that the odds were stacked against him. Well, plus he knows he's going to get the shit knocked out of him every yeah, fucking if he day says, If bricks. he says anything negative against what they say, you know? Right, exactly. So, yeah, I don't, I don't trust these motherfuckers as far as I could throw this house. Okay, well, check this out. While he was being interrogated and everything, they raided his room at the dorm, right? And they located what they said were incriminating items. Check this out. One of those was a surgical kit that he planned to, that he used to scratch off the serial numbers from the war bonds, right? However, the media said, um, is this what was used to cut up Susan Degnan? Of course they did. Right? Of course, because that's what fucking, this is why I so hate right. mainstream media. Because they'll see something like that, and instead of using a little bit of common sense and saying, hey, let's find out what this is all about. Oh, was this used to murder? Yeah. No, it wasn't used to murder, you freaking morons. Jesus Christ, I want to smack their parents. Well, and not just that, is the lab immediately announced that there is no way those instruments were ever used on a human being, but that still didn't stop the newspapers from blasting the headlights, dissecting kit found in big black letters. Of course, because the media doesn't give a shit. And then, to top things off, the police found a scrapbook of Nazi soldiers and a copy of a book on sexual deviation. And we've talked about this book before. It's the Psychopathia Sexualis book. Mm -hmm. Remember that one? By uh, I do. Yeah. So anyways, both of those items, he said, were things he had picked up in Northside Apartments while he was robbing them. He thought they looked interesting and took them. Nothing more. Which I can understand. Yeah, exactly. You know? However, the police even agreed that the Nazi book was circumstantial, that many boys might find photographs of the fighting German and Panzers interesting. After all, he was studying German in college and studying foreign language. I find it very interesting myself. It reminds me of my home in Auschwitz. Does it? It does. And of course, are trying to get the Jews into the showers. We all have to be clean. Come on, little Jews. Get into the showers. You are so bad. So bad. However, the other book, the Richard Vaughn Kraft Ebbing book, Psychopathia Sexualis, is, was written by a social crime historian. And it's actually a dark hist- a history of dark fetishisms and sexual oddities. So, there's like graphic descriptions of sadomasochistic crimes and dismemberments. And so the press went wild with that and with the revelation of that surgical kit, right? It flipped over the presence of that book that it launched more into how Hiren's alter ego was more like Mr. Hyde, you know? Okay. So during a phone interview, <laughs> um, the author, Dolores Kennedy, she actually defends the fact that William had that book. She said it was a lark, something that college boys would have gotten a kick out of, much as teenagers would pass around a Playboy. I've seen the book. There are pictures in it. I imagine would titillate a young man's fancy. But there are no instructions on how to dismember a young girl or kill available bachelorettes. Everyone at that time seems to have turned it into some kind of an instructional how-to murder thing. You know, that's like 
okay, when we researched Todd's case, remember? Right. How they right, said right. he he enjoyed looking at pornography. He's a he's a healthy male. Exactly. Yeah. You know. I hate when they do that shit when they go and he watched porn. Or, guys. And I, he was gay. Okay. Yeah, or <laughs> he was a homosexual. So what do you say in their mainstream media like fucking ABC News, Fox News, all you guys, that if you watch porn or you're gay, that automatically you're a serial killer and you're gonna kill people? Is that what you're trying to say? Because if you are, you're fucking stupid. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So when they raided his dorm room, they also went to his parents' house and, like, ransacked that, too. They searched that premises as well. According to his mother, she said, Policemen asked me which items belonged to Bill, and they took everything of his. They also took the hunting guns, which belonged to George and the boys. And the next place I saw our belongings was at the assistant state's attorney's office shortly before I was taken to see Bill. Two officers were inventorying. They, there was a small instrument case about four inches long containing scissors, tweezers, and scalpels. Later, those instruments were suspected as being used on the Degney murder. This notion was ridiculous because those tools were so small and delicate that a person would not have been able to dissect a chicken, <laughs> let alone <laughs> use them to dissect a, you know, another human. <laughs> Apparently, he did use those. I mean, and I can... The, this... Scissors, tweezers, scalpels are things that you would use if you're mounting insects for collections. I had to do an insect collection in junior high. Well, I made somebody else do it, but yeah. <laughs> so what they tried, what they did is they worked tirelessly to find any sort of evidence on his clothing, but nothing turned up in any of the lab reports. Um, the only thing that they really had was that sex that circumstantial sex book is what they called it, right? To right. try to convince the public that the guy was guilty. So they immediately needed to find an eyewitness who could identify Bill in the vicinity of the Degnan home at the time of the killing. So you know who they rounded up? That 25-year-old soldier on furlough. Okay? So he was brought in. His name was George Sub- Subgrunsky. And he was brought in the day after the girl was kidnapped and testified that he saw a man carrying a shopping bag moving towards the house at 1 a.m. on that night. He said the figure was about 5 feet, 9 inches tall, weighing maybe 170 pounds and about 35 years old and dressed in a light-colored fedora and a dark overcoat. But because the street was dark and the way the hat was set, he could not see the man's facial features. So the police on July 11th showed him a picture of William Hirons, and he was unable to identify Hirons as the man who he saw that night. But then five days later, he pointed a finger at William and said, that's the man I saw. So the testimony and evidence continued to pile up. Um, And William knew that the state attorney and the police already had condemned him and were expecting a confession. A confession, and five of the Metro newspapers were literally trying to scramble over who would be the first one to run the confession story, right? Okay. So what happened was, is he, um, he was basically trying to, uh, according to Lucy Freeman, she said, 
when she talked about how he was treated by the police and the media, she said they had a boy without any rights to stop them from painting just what they pleased. The police and prosecution made statements that they were convinced of my guilt, something the law doesn't even allow them to do in court. He says, I didn't have the money to hire my own fingerprint expert to make an independent examination. Anyway, it didn't make any difference to the newspapers. They printed everything the prosecutor told them. And when the prosecutor ran out of words, they fabricated their own. According to reports, um, the Chicago Herald American actually hired a popular mystery writer to look into her case, his case, right? Now, she poured through it for weeks, and according to every report I read, her bosses were not happy when she printed an article that said, let's think about Billy Hirons. I've seen him. I've talked to him. I believe he's innocent. Okay? So this is a newspaper writer who they hired to, like, slay him in the media right it's trying to say no he's innocent now she also wrote i could sit down in any newspaper office in the nation right now get a box of clippings from the reference room and write a convincing confession story about bill hirons which would include him taking part in the saint valentine's day massacre (laughs) you know so within days on the advice of his attorneys he was to accept a plea bargain in the state's attorney's office where he would be he would plead guilty and only receive one life term right well on the day of the confession William Tuhi gathered his assistant and William's lawyers and a whole plethora of media and had you know and he had a speech prepared right that this is this guy's going to confess and everything well, they, um, he kept pressing uh, William. He kept saying, you know, um, how did he put it? Oh, I lost my place. Hang on. Oh, anyways, so right before that confession was to be held, the Chicago Tribune actually published an article that said exactly that George confessed and this is how he did it. Even though that story has, ne- I mean, that is nothing what he said. Okay. Um. So he knew that if he was going to confess in the state's attorney's office, he had to make his confession just as good as the one that was printed in the newspaper, if not better. So he basically took that article and embellished on it for his confession. And whenever he would get, like, um, stumped or whatever, his attorneys would say, "Um, are you sure that's how it happened? And then he would kind of, like, backtrack and change his story. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. But then it got to a point where... William, I mean, it came time for, you know, where William too, he said, you know, are you guilty? And he says, I don't know. I don't remember to every question that they put forth. And they are trying to say that that was due to the fact that he was angry, angry and intimidated by the media that was in, in the office. But he said, no, it wasn't that. He goes, it was Tui himself. After assembling all the officials, including attorneys and policemen, he began a preamble about how long everyone had waited to get a confession from me. But at last, the truth was going to be told. He kept emphasizing the word truth. And I asked him if he really wanted the truth. He assured me that he did. So now, too, he made a big deal about hearing the truth. So when I was being forced to lie, it made me angry. So I told him the truth. And everybody got upset. So because Tui was embarrassed in front of the media... He went after he went after William again, and this time, instead of adhering to the one life sentence, he slapped three of them on him. You know, and that I mean, so he like went against everything he said he was going to do, and just you know, and um, so of course he's sentenced to life in prison. I'm kind of like 
paraphrasing because I don't have it all written in my own vernacular. And I don't want to, like, you know, plagiarize. Carry on my wayward son. I know, but I'm getting a little caught up because I'm trying to paraphrase without being paraphrased. Um, Anyways, so when they go to court and for his sentencing on September 4th of that year, um, in attendance were the main players, like all of the attorneys, as well as people from the families, like Mr. and Mrs. Hirons were there. James Degnan was there. Um... He's the father of Suzanne. Mary Jane Blanchard, one of Josephine Ross's daughters, were there, right? And she actually told the media, she goes, she told the media, she goes, I don't think he did it. He was framed. You know, so even the relatives don't believe he did it. Um, she said, I cannot believe that young Hirons murdered my mother. He just doesn't fit into the picture of my mother's death. I've looked at all the things he stole, and there was nothing of my mother's among them. You know, because it was already a given fact that he didn't sell any of the stuff he sold. He collected it, you know, so it would still be in his possession if he if he was guilty of it. Right. Right. Um, so when the clerk read the indictment and everything, you could tell that Bill he- that William hesitated to like say guilty. But finally, after his attorneys nodded, he did say he was guilty. Um, so he says, uh, what did he say? The next day. The, I mean, they wait till the next day to actually give him his charge. I mean, his sentence. So his lawyers told him privately that he could expect parole consideration in time to come. But he realized that no matter what, he would never get out of jail. Okay. He caught. So as he was sent back to the jail, the the sheriff, Macaulay, came up to him. And Is his last name McCulkin? No, Mulcahy, M-U-L-C-A-H-Y. Hold on. Is that a fucking, uh, is, is that a, uh, uh, one of those nasty Irish names? I'm asking the Irish check. I think so. She says she thinks so. She would know because she's a dirty Irish too. Now, as he was waiting to be taken to prison, this sheriff guy came, Mulcahy came up to him and said, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I am a personal friend of Jim Degnan, and he wants to know, did his daughter Suzanne suffer? And William looked at the sheriff and says, I can't tell you if she suffered, Sheriff Mulcahy. Mulcahy, I didn't kill her. Tell Mr. Degnan to please look after his other daughter because whoever killed Suzanne is still out there. Okay? Now, this is where we have something else that's thrown in there because we've already proved it's like he just basically confessed to save his own life. Mm-hmm. Um, so after Suzanne was killed, but before William was arrested on those burglary charges, the Chicago police actually had... A prime suspect by the guy, a 42-year-old named Richard Russell Thomas. He was a drifter who was, at that time, was living in Phoenix. But he had lived in Chicago at the time of Suzanne Degnan's murder. He was, um, he was waiting, awaiting trial for molestation of his 13-year-old daughter at the time when the police found him and, like, zeroed in on him as a suspect. And once again, nobody's molesting me. <laughs> I know, you're upset. Now, Damn. he actually confessed to murdering Suzanne Degnan. In fact, a handwriting expert in Phoenix notified the Chicago authorities after they found great similarities between the ransom note and Thomas's handwriting. Um, according to one author, Thomas was a brutal man. He beat his wife. He sexually molested two of his three children. He had been arrested many times and had served time for kidnap and extortion. And many of the phrases used in the extortion document were similar to those that were used in the ransom note. So 
He actually, at the time of the murder, he lived on the south side of Chicago where he worked as a male nurse, but he often frequented an auto agency on the north side, just a couple of blocks from the Degnan home, which tells you he could have been like stalking her. Thank God he wasn't on the south side of Chicago. He would have met a man named Leroy Brown. (laughs) So to his friends, he had often boasted that he sometimes posed as a doctor and had stolen surgical supplies from a hospital. And when they did even more investigating into it, her arms that they found a couple weeks later were in a sewer directly across from that agency he would visit all the time. So when, however, when William was arrested... And brought into the hospital, the investigating officers who were investigating Thomas as a suspect were said, no, forget it, we got the man. And so this guy eventually died in 1974 in Tennessee after he was convicted of molesting his daughter. Okay? Which which tells me that there's some validity to that because whoever murdered that girl, it was sexually motivated. Had to have been, right? Right, I think so, yeah. Yeah. So according to... um, on ABC TV's Primetime Live, they conducted their own investigation in 1996. And Sam Donaldson on the, in the special section was, I mean, the special broadcast was titled The Wrong Man. Sam Donaldson interviewed several people who were taking another look at the case. And one of them included the hand, FBI handwriting analyst, analyst, David Grimes. Now, he said that he has studied the ransom note. He has gone over the lipstick writing on the wall, letter by letter. And based on everything that he has said, he has seen from, you know, all the samples he's received. There is no way that William Hirons wrote on the wall and he did not write that ransom note. Nothing matches. So now we're in a new, you know, a new era. And they're trying to, they were trying to get, you know, attorneys to get him exonerated. But he was a model prisoner. Since the time he stepped foot in prison in 1946, he tried to improve himself, Scott. He did everything, um, but efforts that have not gone unrewarded by the penal system. He was made overseer of a garment manufacturing uh, unit at Stateville. And having had numerous courses in television and radio repair, they even gave him his own repair shop on premises. Right. And then on February 6th, he was the first inmate in Illinois to receive a college degree. He took courses and accumulated the 197 credit hours needed to earn a Bachelor of Arts degree. Then he was assisted in the development of educational programs that helped other inmates pass their GED. And so for a while, after a while, he was in 1975, he was actually transferred to a minimum security institution. And then again, he was transferred to Dixon Center. But unfortunately, on where is it? On March 5th, 2012, he passed away at the University of Illinois Medical Center at the age of 83 from complications related to diabetes. Oh, see, that's fucked up right there. Yeah. But I honestly don't think he did it. Yeah. there Because there's no way that. I do not believe that, I mean, because we talk about with the Poughkeepsie tapes, and that's what came to my mind when I was doing this one, is that if somebody has a certain MO, they're not going to all of a sudden do a complete 180 and go after a minor. No, I agree. I agree. You know, and the, and the abduction, murder, and dismemberment of a six-year-old child says more than just, you know, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but, you know, 
it's not the same psyche as killing an adult woman. And I agree. So, but yeah. That's the William George Hydrant's case. All right. Remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs. Log on to Facebook and join <laughs> us at Citizens it. of Brutal Nation. This show's copyrighted 2023 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. And if you're hearing this or any part of this on anybody else's show or podcast, they're lying. Thieving bastards. We will see you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye.